What's up? Welcome back to Guitar Blah Blah, the daily podcast for people that just can't shut up about guitar. So today, a very special episode, continuing my series of Luthier interviews, trying to interview some of the most interesting, most unique, just also the coolest, why not guitar makers working in the world today it's actually been quite a while since i've done one of these um you know end of the year around christmas time it's actually not the best time to uh, organize a bunch of interviews with people um but today and also tomorrow i will be talking with frank dimel of dimel guitar works so if you're not familiar with dimel guitar works you probably haven't been listening too much to this podcast because i've actually brought up their work quite a lot of times uh, i've done a rundown of a few of their different models i've talked about a bunch of the cool stuff that they do um but just in case you haven't been listening to those things i'll give you a quick introduction and then we'll just head straight into my conversation with frank so daimal guitar works are currently based out in the beautiful countryside to the east of berlin a really nice part of the world but originally they started in berlin in fact if you want to trace them really all the way back i guess it started with frank in his early teenage years 13 14 years old his brother bought home a guitar that needed fixing up and as frank tells it as soon as he kind of uh laid his hands on that guitar he was just something clicked something happened and he said this is what i need to do with my life something to do with this with this instrument it was one of those kind of magical moments um from then on literally from right then they fixed up that guitar and he worked on guitars he worked on uh, pulling guitars apart putting them together doing his own things with guitars um he was doing that all through the 90s in berlin he was working with cool people there as he talks about a little bit in the conversation as well the interesting time that it was in berlin in the 90s when the wall came down uh, a lot of interesting creative people coming together including some people that he worked with artists other musicians um people doing cool stuff with electronics all of that kind of stuff um and people would bring him instruments you know people in bands musicians all these people would bring him instruments he set up shop fixing guitars all of that sort of stuff uh, including a lot of uh, vintage instruments that he would work on and he formally established his own company Dymal guitar works after already having worked on guitars for a good while in 1998 so even just officially Dymo Guitar Works has been going a good long time. Uh, like I say, he was doing repair stuff, working on very cool vintage instruments. And those vintage instruments in particular that people brought him uh, really inspired him. He was really taken by the quality of the classic vintage guitars and something about their designs inspired him as well. So that then when he would go on to release his own models, which is what Dymo Guitar Works are doing today, there were touches of all those things in there. The experimentalism, the cool stuff of artists, the cool stuff that was going on in Berlin in the 90s, uh, experimental ideas and ideas looking towards the future and what musicians and artists can do in the future, and the classic things of vintage and really staple guitar design that we all know and love and these were things that he had a really 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 in-depth working knowledge of from having worked on so many guitars and then gone to designing his own today Dymal guitar works is not just frank it's frank and his wife cora and cora does an enormous amount of uh, running the business and doing a huge amount of things if you've had interactions with Dymal guitar works it's quite possibly with Cora she does um, a lot of that but she also brought a lot more to the business in terms of decision making about certain ways that the guitars went certain things in the design especially with their more experimental series um, she also is an artist a fantastic artist and she will apply her art to the artist series of guitars that Dymo Guitar Works do which have her unique artworks on the guitars these are the most standout amazing pieces um, and they really are something to behold if you've never seen a Dymo Guitar Works artist edition before. Um, so Frank and Cora in their workshop also with an employee in the workshop um, building a really good number of guitars and as you'll hear Frank talking in this interview coming up uh, they are 
booked up in terms of builds for a good long time to come, which is fantastic to hear. They've built up a strong customer base over the years. They've built up a good artist roster. Uh, they've built up dealers and fans, quite frankly, all around the world. And they've built up a really nice roster of models. The Firestar is kind of their standout or their flagship in my to my eye, and I think that would be fair to say. Um, it's a beautiful really sleek looking offset design that comes with a whole number of offset elements and switches and cool mastery bridges and stuff the stuff that you'd want to see on an offset but a lot of things that are very very unique to the Dymals. um as custom guitars they're extremely flexible and when you look at the array of things that are done with the firestar out there it really is incredible of course that also extends to the experimental guitar line of the firestars same body shape but this is when you get the piezo discs the leslie um, pickup system which switches and oscillates between the bridge and the neck you can change the speed and intensity to create a, a whole bunch of different kind of rotary speaker-esque sounds pickups behind the bridge switching options sound cavities all kinds of interesting things that experimental guitarists have used but also a bunch of other guitarists in a whole bunch of genres have found interesting ways to utilize these um if all of this sounds too much for you, um, they also have the Blue Star, which is another offset model with semi-hollow, which comes with some really fascinating different array of pickups in a bunch of the builds that they've done. And it's a really beautiful, kind of classic looking guitar to me. It does not look like any other model exactly, but there's something very classical about the Blue Star that really draws the eye, I think. Um, if you want to just go raw, straight up rock and roll, but still with some really interesting... Uh, features and additions on there you want to look at the single star by Dymo, which is the single cut model they do or the double star which is makes sense the double cut model they do um these are just beautiful playing fantastic straight up instruments not all crazy embellishment and super ridiculous tops and gold inlays and all kind of crazy stuff like that this is more just fantastic, solid guitar design inspired by the classics with modern um, kind of expanded ideas attached to them. But uh, if you just get a straight up and down two P90s single volume or volume and tone double star, you've got a absolute beast of a music machine there. So what a great lineup it really does run the kind of gambit of everything you'd want from a guitar and there is also a firestar bass model which brings all the experimental elements all the more stripped back straightforward but just custom level done elements of the firestar to a bass so hey you know we're not forgetting about the bass players of the world um a great introduction in my opinion which is entirely biased to Dymo Guitar Works if you're wanting to get a bit more of an intro is to watch the Meet the Makers series episode about Dymo Guitar Works from Guitar.com. Uh, it's a series that I worked on uh, with Guitar.com. I plugged it a bunch of times on here before and I think that Dymo episode 5 minute video gives you a really good insight into getting to know them a little bit. However, if you want to go more in depth, just stick around and listen to this because today and tomorrow is my conversation with Frank from Dymo Guitarics. I want to give a massive thanks to Frank for taking a long time coming on and just talking about guitars with me. We go into a whole bunch of stuff. We talk about those vintage models. We talk about where the experimental elements come from. We talk about guitar sustainability, another thing I've covered on here when talking about Dymo before we talk about how the guitar industry is doing right now, where it seems to be going in the future, uh, what guitar builders and luthiers need to do more to kind of shout a little bit more about their work and let us all know about the cool stuff that they're doing. And we just kind of nerd out and geek out and swap stories about guitars as well, which is, is what I really love to do. So, you know, sit back, enjoy it. You get a first half today, second half tomorrow. There's a bunch of cool insights, as as you can tell just from this introduction uh frank has been in the guitar business a very long time at this point has, has, has got a huge amount of really interesting experience and it's great to pick someone's brain you know like that who um really does know what they're talking about and has some interesting angles on all of this stuff and for you guys it's also just way more interesting not to just have to <laughs> hear from me you get to hear from someone else and it's someone way more knowledgeable and interesting so hey lucky for you right um so sit back enjoy this and i will dive right into 
my interview with Frank Dymel of Dymel Guitar Works. Frank Dymel, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, first of all, how are you doing in this, well, year number two now of craziness that we are in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, in the beginning, it was like, okay, there's a pandemic and, and it didn't affect us as much here on the countryside because, mm. you know, our daily routines are always the same. And uh, the only time I, uh, I'm facing this uh, coronavirus thing is when I'm going to groceries <laughs> and then I have to wear a mask and so on. And, and, and okay, yeah, of course. But uh, now it's like, I think we got used to it on the one side. On the other side, it's the social dilemma, I think. I mean, we don't meet anybody. And uh, I'm now 53. I don't want to hang out with neighbors here as well. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't, if I get sick, then the whole company is not working. Yeah. So uh, I'm uh, like, yeah, I'm very careful. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I think that makes sense for anyone who's running their own business. Like, you know, if you've ever had a sick day before, obviously less serious than Corona, you know that you lose production. That's people's builds getting delayed. It's it's an extra Everything. stress. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I don't want to end up in the hospital like with a breathing machine and all this. I mean, maybe it's it's a like a like a cold or whatever, but you never know. And uh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, exactly. Just better to stay safe anyway, and hopefully that's the the way that everyone's taking it. Um, how yeah. have you found in general in the guitar community? Because obviously through the EGB and things, you're in touch with a lot of luthiers. Um, how have people been finding it as guitar builders? I mean, like you say, in some ways, you're a little sheltered from it because your work, you're in the workshop. It's either a small team or, you know, a, a kind of environment where you're not so affected. But um, in other ways, it does affect your work. So how, how do you think guitar builders have found the last year? Yeah, I think, those who are working on their own in their own shop, um, they can pretty much uh, continue the way they did before. But uh, there are a lot of others who are doing repairs and they are dependent on uh, meeting mm. people. And so they changed their workshops to like uh, putting um, uh, some hygienic uh, sprays in front of the door and... Uh, some advisory to keep uh, wear a mask and stay distant mm -hmm. and so that uh, that's uh, of course uh, not easy for everyone and uh, as we don't have any uh, customers coming in here or if they come they wear a mask and have distance then we make a quick meet and uh, don't uh, hang out as long and and um, also uh, what i've heard about is that uh, um, as the Luthiers had to virtually <laughs> get um, more active on the screen mm -hmm. because they can't go to exhibit to exhibitions and or meet at shows and mm -hmm. so on. Um, somehow it changed and it improved their um, online presence, yeah. and that's what they all report. And uh, I mean, there was Nam show recently, and I talked to Tanya and Michael. And um, they, they made um, a huge presentation only by videos. And so they now know how to edit videos. And <laughs> they are getting very familiar with these kind of formats and uh, the kind of work. And uh, this is, I think, the positive side uh, as well. And that because then you are reaching out to a different kind of audience. Yeah, for sure. And, I you know, I think some of the guitar builders would admit themselves that they've been behind on that i think it's you know when you're running a business building guitars you're not a video editor by trade it's one of those things that just keeps going back on the the back burner you know just you keep delaying it and i think now people have finally got the the kind of kick to do it from this last year um and yeah that the projects yeah. of three stuff from the spots and uh all the and stuff you know at nam was was great you know you wouldn't know that they'd only just kind of ventured more into that world i thought their i thought their presentation was great and and if more luthiers do that yeah 
Yeah, it was almost like a documentary, like on Arte TV. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really done well. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I see that in like just people on their own platforms, even if they haven't done the virtual shows. You know, people who I know have said to me, "Ah, you know, been meaning to get to that more, been meaning to work on my photography or something." Um, amongst the thousands of jobs you have to do when you're running your own guitar building company. And yeah, now they've done right. it and, um, they're doing really, really well off it. And, uh, you know, even looking at trying to work with YouTubers or things, it's, it's great because I think the smaller builders have definitely to, to some extent been behind on that. Um, some of them, which, which is great to see this is this year has given them the kick. Um, do, have you guys found that useful? You know, you put a lot of effort dime more guitar works into your places like Europe pages um have you been interested in doing the virtual shows like believe in music week or anything like that or are you more interested in just you know promoting your own stuff on your own channels yeah actually uh we have experienced um the way we do it as a quite successful way uh, i mean there are orders coming in and um any uh, kind of participation in such kind of shows, like especially NAM, for instance, still costs money. Yeah. I mean, you have to pay. I don't know exactly the um, the exact amount, but uh, uh, and um, I don't. We don't really see that uh, advantage. Then, not yet. I don't know. Maybe for them, those who have participated, it it, it was a totally different. Um, positive thing and but it's mainly that that we are just continuing the way we do and we are doing quite good we are now booked till january 22 wow that's great that's phenomenal to hear yeah and uh i think it's all also because people are at home and <laughs> uh isolated and and they finally think uh oh i could play guitar again mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh, absolutely and we, it looks like uh, it, you can't uh, look on a screen all day i mean it's like it, there needs to be some analog thing like playing ch- check or cards or whatever cooking and, and doing sports and that's what a human being obviously needs in isolation yeah Absolutely. Especially like when, you know, for people who can work at home, which is obviously a great advantage. But if you're just looking at a screen 12 hours a day, you don't even have your commute. I see people like that that I know just, yeah, taking up hobbies again, you know, and buying instruments because like you say, they just need something different, creative outlet. Yeah. Yeah. And we also get uh, get a lot of uh, requests for repairing older stuff, or they they look to their attics <laughs> and find an old guitar and want uh, something to do with it to do yeah. on it. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's the time for like doing all those old jobs um, that you've never got to, including modding. Like the modding right. community, I think has has really gone up in the last year. It was going up anyway, but people yeah. going, you yeah. know, you've got like a mastery bridge sitting around and a pair of pickups and you go right i'm finally going to get around to to putting those in uh, it's yeah. actually really really great no. um i got another uh idea just popping in my mind i got a or a, it was a story from my one of my uh, uh wood uh, resource mm-hmm. guys in berlin uh, he's selling wood uh for knife makers and it's these little pieces. He cuts tropical woods or all kinds of woods into little segments of uh, making your own knife and so on. And he had a 40% boost in uh, his revenue uh, just this year. Wow. And people are really into these kind of doing something on their own. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, or, or maybe that's people who thought we were heading towards some kind of post-apocalyptic society and needed to fashion weapons for hunting and protecting their family hopefully not but (laughs) (laughs) hopefully it's not that extreme but yeah i think you know i get that as well just like i'm really not i'm really not a retail therapy kind of person like i don't i don't shop as a hobby but there's something about sitting around at home that um has made 
that kind of happen where I just scroll through and look through things, which is also something I don't usually do. And I'm just finding cool companies that do cool things and crafts people. And, you know, yeah. sort of building a list of all these cool, interesting things I'm getting tempted by. I don't know. Psychologically, it's interesting. But, um, you know, that that's probably also why so many big guitar companies had a big boom last year. You know, Fender and, and people had their biggest year ever, you know? Yeah, exactly. The same, I heard. Which is mm -hmm. crazy. Amazing. I mean, yeah. yeah crazy mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, do you think... Um, I don't know how much you think about this stuff, like the whole guitar is dead or, you know, there was a article in the middle of last year, like guitar is back and all of us got annoyed about it. Like guitar never went anywhere kind of thing. And I think it was Gene mm. Simmons recently I was talking about on the podcast was talking about rock is dead and guitar is dead and whatever. Um, but you know, suddenly everyone's all positive after all those sales figures and, and it's kind of yo-yoing <laughs> back and yeah. I don't yeah. know. How do you feel uh, if you think about that stuff looking into the future? Do you think coming out of the pandemic, things will kind of slide back to how they were before? Or do you think there will be kind of an upwards trajectory for guitar community stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's a, actually, it's a very saturated market. I mean, if we just think about how many guitars are in the world and... Uh, um, freshly made ones and, and uh, second-hand ones and so on. Um, on the other hand, it seems like people are collecting. <laughs> this is uh, often I see pictures of people having not only one, two, three, they have like seven to 20 guitars at yeah. home. And it's uh, unbelievable sometimes <laughs> what people are collecting here. And, uh, um, and you are talking about these kind of... Uh, uh, stories about or headlines mm -hmm. the guitar is dead and so on and i i think my personal view is that uh actually the guitar as it was is kind of dead i would say i mean it's it's also kind of boring for me to always see, see the same old of uh shapes and and constructions and um that that's kind of for me like a repeating thing which is so boring after all i mean you see a les paul uh still on the cover of a magazine in the uh i don't know 10th version of how they better made that vintage thing and uh and that's more for me it's more related to the music also i mean the guitar music didn't really developed and maybe it's also because the guitar didn't develop. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, people are only trying to sound like Led Zeppelin and how can, I mean, Led Zeppelin is gone, is over, it's over, it doesn't exist anymore as a band, but, but, uh, millions of people who play like Jimmy Page exist. And how, how can it be that there's new music? I mean, and, and maybe it's that what, I never understood, and I personally also want to uh, be part of uh, that. The guitar itself uh, should be uh, taken out of that music context. I mean, it's just a—it's an instrument. It's just a piece of wood with uh, six strings yeah. or seven, eight strings, whatever. And um, a piano is not connected to a certain style of yeah. music. Mm -hmm. You can use the piano in all kinds of, uh, it's, ju it's just a tool. And I would rather see the guitar as, as a tool, uh, which is developing. And um, that's what I think is uh, maybe also happening after, if things are going back to, let's say, normal, uh, then that uh, people have maybe uh, got new ideas, even be it on a musical side or on the construction side or, so that hopefully it's a creative time or a, a time used as a creative time. Yeah, I, I totally, I'm, I'm totally with that. I mean, I think one of these, it might come from one of these headlines I was looking at, kind of like rock is dead or guitar music is dead. And that was the same kind of idea I, I had that, um, you know, in a way it kind of is dead, but I'm seeing more and more guitar heroes and amazing guitar players, but they're not really attached to genre like i think that process you're talking about is just starting to happen where you know i was like looking at a list of great new guitar albums and trying them out and like a lot of it was like 
you know, artists that were kind of from hip hop who'd brought guitar into their like popier album and, and had kind of turned it into a really guitar centric album. And, you know, guys in the kind of neo soul area who get mm. missed by all of us obsessed with rock and metal. But in their mm. kind of like genre world, when you kind of go and look at that part of the internet or whatever, they're like guitar heroes, but but we don't yeah. know about them. And mm. it's kind of like the guitar is kind of diffusing to every genre rather than just quote unquote guitar music, like rock, blues and metal, you know? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Which is a good thing. And I mean, I think, I think it's a good thing as well because popular music just the ebbs and flows of it like you know we all know that rock isn't really on the radio right now it's more dominated by hip-hop influenced stuff but if all these hip-hop artists and rappers and, and producers all love guitar whenever i watch interviews with them they've all got like multiple guitars in their studios then the guitar's still super popular sure. we're, we're we're the ones missing yeah. out if we're just only into rock you know yeah Mm. Yeah, and um, I I really hope that uh, sometimes there's a certain uh, music style which is still done on the guitar, but may, it may not sound like a guitar, mm. you know, because the the guitar is only sort of an interface, and uh, you can also do all kinds of things which it, we have experienced this uh, with our own uh, developments recently where we connected the guitar to the synthesizer. Mm. And um, then there, we also have a lot of customers who are working uh, for film and uh, they make soundscapes and, and uh, textures which are not really uh, resembling immediately uh, like that. Oh, yeah, that's mm -hmm. a guitar. But they used the guitar, but they used it for something like a noise or uh, a certain, I don't know, strange chord with some echo and effects where you hardly can say it's a guitar so it's it's for me it's like an inter an interface which you can use and um yeah it will never stop the guitar yeah <laughs> and that's that's the way to think about it for like the future when people get down about guitar is to think about it like an interface because that then puts you in the realm of every kind of composing digital music, electronic focus music, you know, in the same way that, uh, you know, a MIDI interface is a P basically a, the the modern version of the piano in some ways, you know, of interfacing with these things. Yeah. The guitar mm -hmm. is can can be the exact same, like you say. I think, you know, when, when people hear that, they automatically think about extensions like pedals and software. But at Dymo Guitar Works, you actually put, some of those elements directly into the guitar you know the guitar is designed with that in mind sometimes like you say with the synthesizer um yeah it's not actually that we put a synthesizer in the guitar but we have a circuit a unique uh circuit called pickup leslie which um let's um which creates a pulse mm -hmm. because it uh, alternates the neck and the bridge mm -hmm. pickup in an oscillating way and you can adjust the speed and intensity so it's sort of like a tremolo effect but uh it uses two sources the neck and the bridge pickup and we found out that there is a possibility to uh send out this pulse mm -hmm. um directly on the circuit and uh that's we are using it as a wave out and we can also use a wave in meaning that you connect your guitar with uh, the trigger or you can trigger a sequenced um, synthesized mm -hmm. uh, module uh, and vice versa the the module can also um, uh, be triggered and uh, triggering the leslie speed and it's somehow very interactive and that's what we found extremely interesting and we want to continue this path and but it came actually what you said it came from the idea to put uh interesting effects into the guitar to be able to control them while you are playing because i often see guitarists using a lot of pedals and a lot of external effects but they are mainly having them preset to certain sounds or they are 
um, on their knees <laughs> and turning the knobs. So actually they are more on their knees than standing on the stage. <laughs> and I also always thought like that's that's not healthy. Doesn't yeah, it's, good. it's not good. Not good for the orthopedics either, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, or you've got the like the tap dancing, you know, yeah. where you've got your three pedal boards and you're kind of <laughs> Right. Another performance. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's a kind of dance in a way. But yeah. um the, I, I will actually link in the description to the video of the guitar running through the the analog synth setup as well, because it was quite impressive to watch the guitar going into this big modular setup was a pretty fascinating thing. And the sounds out of it were, were crazy as well, were really out there. Yeah, it was like that when my partner, Jay, who, Jay Ahern, who was running the, who was uh, also um, buying this guitar and he was the guy uh, approaching me with his idea. Uh, when he was, when he was playing his modular system, it was affecting the way I played guitar because he, cool. he changed my sound, uh, by, um, it, it, it was also connected to the way the guitar sounds. And so mm -hmm. I played differently and it was a complete interactive way of making music. I would never have played that kind of things on the guitar if he would not sit there changing my sounds. Yeah. Which is great, which is then it's a kind of different kind of live performance as well. Or, you know, it's a new way for the musicians to interact because right. of the technology. Yeah. And then at that point, I, I thought like, wow, yeah, it can go on. It, you know, it doesn't need to stay as a guitar forever. It can totally mm -hmm. change. And it's what I do on the guitar is not uh, then I, I don't play a rock riff anymore. I play different. And maybe because I have to make textures or I'm, I'm into that flow of sounds happening in the room and I'm only part of it, but I'm not the soloing rock star anymore. And, and so mm -hmm. it, it, it came a bit like, yeah, it's just a tool. It's an interface. And, uh, I was very happy with it. It's amazing. I mean, that, that's, uh, the crazy thing about, about guitar as well that, you know, in some ways we are very traditional as guitarists but if you actually look at how much the instrument has evolved and changed and had so many different kind of paths in 70 years like if you say solid body electric to yeah. keep it simple mm -hmm. um you know not many instruments change that much in you know less than a century oh no but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's because of of the fact that like you say it's it's gone into so many different genres and it's going into so many more that it it's kind of yeah not it's hard to define a guitar almost at this point a little bit it's getting close to that point where you wonder what what you can actually call a guitar or not and where the boundaries are <laughs> you know yeah it's yeah, got I some think, strings yeah. on it but that's about yeah. it <laughs> yeah yeah i think um yeah uh, maybe it's because it's a pop culture instrument i mean we had we it started to uh, become well known in the from the 50s over the mm -hmm. entire uh, half past century and uh, during the same time cars developed uh, we we flew to the moon uh, mm -hmm. communication digitalization everything happened and it, it's very quick very fast and Uh, the piano was developed, I don't know, 400, 500, 600, 800 years ago. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, in another, it's another time sequence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's actually a really good point as well. It's just kind of where it happens to fall in history affects the speed of that as well, which is interesting. Yeah. I, I love looking back as well at the old, the early days of it. Like I know when, when we talked before, you know even though you're very future focused in this way you have a real reverence for the early designs as well and i know like you've got your vintage gibson that you love and you love the early fender stuff um like we all do but some of that earlier stuff was the most experimental like because it wasn't set in stone you know like what what was normal you get that with anything like if you look at the early days of film or like the early days of the novel Some of that stuff's so weird because no one knew how to make a film or like how to write a book. So sometimes they were just completely all over the place, weird. And some of the guitar stuff's like that too. These like the 
crazy weird pickup designs and totally strange ergonomic <laughs> experiments and stuff like that. Um, so I was wondering, when, when you look back at the earlier stuff, you love a lot of the classic stuff, but do you look at some of those early experiments as well for for inspiration? Yeah, I mean, I have uh, all these kind of books where you have the... Uh... There were a lot of uh, extreme, what you are talking about, extreme uh, experimental ways already. Uh, there's this Vox organ guitar, a lot of Japanese guitars, which have uh, tons of switches all over the place. Yeah. And um, that's, I think, sort of, uh, I cannot single out one piece, which I uh, use as a... Uh, guide or as as an, as an inspiration but it's the um well my first impression always was um obviously they weren't successful so they can't be good <laughs> i mean <laughs> it it stopped at a certain point nobody bought a vox organ guitar and got uh, uh, well known with it forever and uh, <laughs> also because maybe there was never a, a hit written on it i don't know you know like the 12th yeah. string guitar uh, everybody says oh yeah that's roger mcginnis yeah. <laughs> it's always one person connected to one kind of uh, guitar development and, yeah um so uh, that's for me, it was an error, and then it stopped because obviously people or the factories couldn't sell that as much, and maybe it also got broken easily or was too confusing for to op to operate them. Yeah, and um, so it got into mainstream, and uh, what they were selling is a, a very very simple guitar, which you where you only have a volume and a tone and a switch like a radio, you know. Mm -hmm. Sort of like a mass product, and um, but um, I think if you are really looking behind the curtain, there are enormously uh, great inventions already, uh, which have not become uh, well known. Mm -hmm. And also, if you are going through these um, patent uh, registers, uh, sometimes and you you just there's a quick search where you can drop uh, the word electric guitar into yeah. the search engine and you find uh, zillions of ideas <laughs> registered yeah. there. Maybe they are old or whatever, but, but people are continuously thinking about how to improve or how, what to mm, invent. And uh, it's, it's more a matter of how does it get successful? Yeah. Which is a, a, like a really hard question to answer actually, when you go back and look at some of these things and you look at, some examples of something that didn't catch on and some examples of things that did. And it's sometimes pretty hard to tell the difference and, and to understand why this one worked and this one didn't. And yeah, you quite often learn about some kind of other circumstance. You know, you th this person was a really good business person who had good connections in production and marketing. Yeah. You know, so often it's something like that rather than the the idea purely on its own but yeah. some of them were also really badly flawed as well <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i is... think it's a an, uh, uh it's a big performance overall to to push a product to success there are many factors coming into place absolutely mm. yeah absolutely as speaking of inventions you mentioned the leslie um your leslie system built in leslie system because that kind of led to you realizing you could connect with the synth in this way but um could you talk through kind of for the guitar geeky among us how that came about that invention the leslie and what you were wanting to do and and how you got it to actually work because now it's a really established thing in your in your lineup yeah. of guitars yeah the original idea is from my friend pascal stoffels and um he uh uh, just uh, made a very, very early version. Uh, it, the idea actually is almost 20 years old now. Wow. It was in the beginning of the 90s. I got to know to Pascal and he uh, found out that I am into guitars. And so he uh, asked me uh, why, yeah, why we should collaborate somehow. And for a couple of years, we uh, made uh, a, guitar, a guitar series called Bullet Guitars together. 
And uh, it was in the years where the war was coming down. The east part of Berlin was a very, very open and unknown place. A lot of creativity what, uh, was happening there. And it was Pascal's idea, actually. He's also with me. on the. We are sharing the trademark on the pickup, Leslie. And uh, recently we, are, we have uh, catched up. And since like one and a half year now, we are... Uh, working on the uh, further development of the Leslie to uh, be a product on its own. Okay. And cool. uh, now we are. Uh, we want to release very very soon. We want to uh, present the first onboard system which you can uh, build into any guitar. Wow. Okay. So I can just like any other pickup, I could, I could buy that system and yeah, uh, you can install add, it into my guitar. Exactly. Yeah. We have uh, shrinking it down to uh, a smaller sized uh, circuit, and uh, mm -hmm. it's even uh, possible to run it without battery. It's wow. Okay. Very uh, unique approach, and uh, the initial idea was to replace the rhythm section of a Jaguar or Jazzmaster, which quite often is just not used. Yeah. Uh, people put gaffer on the switches to not hit <laughs> them uh, accidentally, and so we thought, like, <laughs> let's uh, find something. And uh, there's a trend. It's a huge trend. I just recently uh, saw uh, the the company built guitars. Built instrument. Absolutely, yeah, that was amazing. And they they released a guitar with the uh, Chase Audio Blip, uh, the blooper, yeah, blooper. <laughs> they have also made a guitar for uh, the Iggy Pop guitarist. Uh, she's mm -hmm. using a guitar with a lot of effects inside already. And yeah, it's um, something which is in the air, <laughs> and people yeah. are thinking it's a good idea to put something more into the guitar now and uh that's what uh yeah we are also thinking that the leslie could be a replacement unit which you would just buy and uh, with a simple instruction you can put it in your own guitar uh, that's awesome and so obviously um it's a cool sound and I'll, i'll link to some videos as well people can check out but um was it just the idea of imagine having that classic Leslie kind of rotary thing built into the guitar was that always the intention from the start or you know you worked on it for a couple of years together did it take a while to kind of come to fruition what you actually wanted to to get out of the sound for the player yeah I mean um, I found out that uh, the effect itself is most noticeable if it's on full intensity meaning that it's a quite a hard uh, switch between neck and bridge pickup as soon as you turn down the intensity it, it's so subtle that you hardly notice the really why it's uh, like uh, oscillating and mm -hmm. um, that's also what Pascal in the very early years found out uh, his idea was actually to put it into a Stratocaster and have the neck middle and bridge and middle switched so he's in a four four uh, rhythm with it right And um, yeah. what was very difficult to get rid of was the clicking noise. You have, whenever you switch a pickup, uh, you are putting it to ground for a little while. And this yeah. milliseconds to ground makes a click. And that was uh, when he was doing his first prototype, which was actually electric motor, where, where there was a, a turning disc. And mm -hmm. on that disc, he attached the pickups. And it was always like click, 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 click. And, mm -hmm. and we had to get rid of that. And so that's why we found, uh, we, we were looking for an oscillating, um, um, circuit, which, uh, just, uh, deletes the click noise. Right. Okay. And then and it's a matter of, a while. it's a matter of how far, uh, you are or how tight you put that, uh, oscillating. And the intensity actually is that it does that. It's, uh, taking out the distance of the pickups. Mm hmm. Got and it. So yeah, it, it, but it mainly makes sense on full intensity. Right. Yeah. That's I, I. I remember like when we did the the filming for the Made the Makers episode, and we did some filming with the Leslie. That's when you can really hear it. Like you said, it's a very subtle effect, um, in some ways. But if if you've got the intensity running high, 
you can you can make it a really noticeable effect as well. Yeah, you. especially if you are um, putting the speed up, uh, it's almost like a robot voice because it's so quick, uh, so fast, and it's like mm-hmm. uh, sounding very, very different. And uh, it's it's quite a. You can also uh, use only one pickup, and then it's like a stutter effect. You know, then you have mm-hmm. really there's like or a permanent kill switch because one pickup is off. And that's also possible with the later versions when you are, for instance, putting it into a guitar with two volumes and two tones. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to uh, cancel one channel and then you have only the one uh, which is working. Or as we are doing it on our experimental guitars where we have a pickup behind the bridge and yeah. you can switch between the bridge and the behind bridge pickup. And so the neck will alternate with the with the bridge or with the behind bridge pickup. Ah, okay, cool. So that's that gives you even more options. I didn't realize that when you have the behind the bridge pickup, it actually with the Leslie you can interact with behind the bridge pickup. Okay, interesting. Mm. And where did that come from? The behind the bridge pickup was that from working with certain players who wanted that kind of experimental sound to have a pickup behind the bridge, or did you just one day go ah? Let's put a pick up here and see <laughs> see no, what happens. It was actually a guitar magazine where I saw an interview or a story about Japanese bands, Jap- Japanese noise rock bands, and it right. it was in the eighties already. And it, it looked to me like this is the new trend. Uh, people are putting pickups <laughs> all over the guitar. They, these people had. Uh, humbuckers on the headstock and humbuckers all <laughs> wherever you can <laughs> attach them to and uh, they they were making noise with it and uh, um i thought well that's weird and uh yeah why not use the string section on a jazzmaster jaguar it's so uh, long and mm-hmm. though it sounds like an egg cutter but <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it's more a matter of how you tune or and we also found out that the distance between the where the strings are attached and the bridge makes a difference in the overtones. And, and okay. for instance, I don't know if you know Yuri Landmann. Okay, no, no, I don't know. He's a luthier from the Netherlands, and he's also uh, building uh, pretty rough but but uh, very interesting instruments, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which are like they have a movable bridge. Oh, okay. And so you can decide uh, what kind of um, part of or harmony of the behind and uh, behind the bridge and before the bridge, what kind mm-hmm. of harmony is there. And uh, he has developed a whole system, and uh, he makes also these uh, like ten or twenty string instruments and uh, mono chords and so. And he also worked for Lee Rinaldo. Uh, made some right. instruments. I think the one he also presented to Thurston Moore just a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. And uh, there's a certain trend to develop <laughs> these stringed Out instruments. Out there stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of players there, obviously, with the, with Sonic Youth. But, you know, there's a lot of players out there that, that are into that experimental scene and that, um, you know, you are actually pretty big in the guitar community. Uh, you know, work with crazy pedal companies and and bring out cool music that guitar people are into and people into soundtrack music and stuff. But I know with some of the experimental Dymol guitars as well, it's not just experimental musicians. It's all kinds of musicians that just find cool uses for these different features, right? Right, right. Yeah, I think, yeah, everybody is looking for some new inspiration and uh, you can also into, uh, uh, put it in into their regular uh, songwriting and uh, find new ideas. That's what our Firestar is good for anyways. I mean, that was my initial idea with creating the Firestar that it, uh, I, I wanted to have a sort of a... Um, yeah, uh, quoting the '60s or quoting the uh, the, the, the these uh, guitars with the millions of switches kind of thing, <laughs> but but I wanted to make uh, it uh, meaningful. I mean, it should make sense to have that switch. There's a lot mm. of these kind of guitars where you just switch out of phase or switch a pickup on and off. And but uh, I, I was looking for, and that's where we. Uh, started also to introduce the piezo disc to the guitar 
every uh, Firestar has this piezo disc, which is attached to the body of the wood, uh, the body, uh, the wood part in inside the electric cavity. And mm -hmm. if you activate this, uh, the guitar is, tot is sounding totally different, and you yeah. uh, get inspired. And that was my idea that there's it, it's a tool to inspire your music. You should find you should play different when you play it. Yeah, absolutely, and especially with like going back to what you said before about such a saturated market. I mean, you know, there were a lot of guitar companies, obviously importing guitars from from the Far East, but there's also a ton of guitar builders and there's almost kind of a joke about like, you know, how many of them are building Strat copies or, you know, just building Les Pauls or something. Um, do you think it makes sense if you're a small builder or you run a small workshop and you're entering into this saturated market, do you think it just makes sense to be experimenting because otherwise you know, what's the purpose of being in the market unless you're bringing something new, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, you have to somehow offer something. I I don't know. It's <laughs> the more saturated, the more difficult, definitely. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I mean, you know, you can get, you can get, almost, you know, everything in the like standard line you can get at every price point now. You know, if I just want a good guitar with decent pickups that plays pretty well, yeah, You're I mean, getting if, that at every price yeah, point now. Yeah, if I want to be better than PRS guitars, then I have to be better, and and I mean, I have to have even higher figure, more, even more highly figured maple. And where <laughs> where to get that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you need to start manipulating nature at some point uh, if you, <laughs> to get m more tightly. I don't know, tightly together figured maple. Is, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be possible, but no, but that, that's, um, that's something that I think is a hard, like tightrope to walk because there's always a temptation to appeal to more people. You know, if you can make something in Europe or in the US as a small business without the economies of scale, like an, an instrument for 2000 or something like that for sale or 1500 that's tempting in a way because you you think that opens it up to more people but right it's a harder battle to win because like you said at that at that price point you're not going to be able to be better than prs you know no you can't because you don't have <laughs> uh, the cnc machines doing this precision work for like the amount of guitars you want to put out and, and yeah, I, I also talked to a friend of mine, Peter Alexius in Cologne, and he okay. said, uh, Frank, you have to think, uh, do you have, he asked me, do you have the manpower or the, the, the possibility to pull up, to put out, um, if, if somebody orders hundred guitars, the same, can mm -hmm. you, can you do them? Can you make them in a decent, uh, time? And I said, no, yeah. I, I, it's impossible. I cannot do this. Yeah, and I yeah. would not be able to have the quality I have with uh, my thirty to forty guitars a year. Yeah, and yeah, ex exactly. And then, what purpose are you fulfilling? You know, if if you're you're a totally different company at that point, if you're yeah. trying to build lower quality, yeah. cheap, mass produced guitars. Yeah, and I feel like inevitably, if you if you went down that path, there would just be at some point eventually where you'd go. Well, I might as well just get these made in Indonesia, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, I'm fed up doing it myself. I have great <laughs> ideas, but uh, it's hard to sand and finish and fret and everything. And, uh, I mean, it's it's really, for me, the the making of the guitars is a huge part. I love that every day. I really enjoy to work, and I don't want to uh, stop doing this. I mean, if I would improve on the selling now and... um the, it, I, we would get more and more orders. It it would uh, get me away from the workbench, and I have to more like be a manager. I have to uh, go through all the prices, and I have to do the sales and uh, the buying and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's so different, uh, difficult uh, than to to be all of a sudden a manager of, of a huge factory. I mean, I don't want that. I, I want to actually cut the wood. I want to fret, I want to solder, and that's where I get my joy from. 
And mm -hmm. uh, of course, we have to make a living. And so I have to raise my prices and I have to raise my quality and my prices. And so the quality needs to be on the, um, the price and the quality needs to be on the same level. I cannot uh, say I want to uh, take 7,000 euros or 10,000 euros for a guitar which is comparable to a Fender Squire or so because yeah. I just handmade it. I mean, it doesn't make sense. So I have to be in a competitive field and uh, somehow in the market. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the, the kind of sometimes misunderstandings that that I had as well, which was like, um, you know, there's nothing wrong, obviously, with comparing, but I think sometimes it's not it's not communicated by everybody that like it's different parts of the market that it doesn't make sense to compare. Like it's not about better or worse. It's about it's about having great things at all these different places. You know, if you are in the market for your beginner guitar, what's the best beginner guitar? And if you're in the market for your mid level good guitar for good value what's the best guitar at that price and yeah. then hmm. if you if you appreciate something from a craftsperson handmade that you can customize and go through the process with them of kind of consulting on it then you compare those builders but if you kind of compare across the market you know it stops making sense at a certain point yeah it's it's just, um, yeah you can also compare it to the fashion world let's say i mean it's even that there it's more extreme. You have the pret-a-porter. You can't even yeah. pay for it. It's impossible. <laughs> and and you yeah. have the uh, whatever mass-produced jeans from yeah. <laughs> I don't know what country. Yeah, don't know what country that you pick out of the the supermarket bargain bin, which is yeah, yeah. And and, and I, I think, think I think yeah. this is where mine come from. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, nowadays, uh, I don't know if I would uh, recommend how to do or to become a luthier or how to start uh, getting into the market. I would uh, maybe think about the sustainability as well mm. and um, would try to offer something which is uh, in compliance with the uh, ecological developments and, and or, yeah. You have to be uh, uh, in a niche, and I think this is quite an, a good or uh, um, an accepted niche. Yeah, I think you're right, and that's a a bit of a wider vision as well. Because I think sometimes as guitar people, like I do this as well, like you kind of compartmentalize, and you have like guitar world here, and you only see things happening there, and you don't realize that actually in all these other industries, they're always sharing ideas from each other like like you say sustainability um i see it all the time from all these other industries like from fashion to like stuff you have in your home furniture like every day there's new kickstarters for yeah, like sustainable version bundles. of this yeah mm. yeah exactly and it's yeah. like you know sometimes i feel like as uh you know guitar stuff we get stuck but if if you came out and a company comes down and says right we are the sustainable guitar company like you say yeah. that would actually have quite a big impact yeah absolutely and that that would make sense and uh, it's fun to develop these uh, things and it's interesting for me it would be more interesting than to make another mahogany figured maple guitar for sure yeah <laughs> yeah we've we've kind of done that at this point <laughs> yeah yeah they are out <laughs> yeah <laughs> a lot of them yeah. quite a lot of them so that was part one of my interview with Frank Dimel of Dimel Guitar Works. A massive thanks again to Frank for coming on and spending so long geeking out about guitars with me. If you're interested to hear more, don't worry. There is a whole bunch more. You just have to tune in for tomorrow's episode, which will be part two of my conversation with Frank Dimel. Just carrying on right where we left off covering a whole bunch more interesting stuff going into some different topics um and getting a bit more into the nitty-gritty of some of these things so if you're interested in that just tune in again tomorrow and you're going to hear more of the conversation between me and frank dimel so i hope you enjoyed that as always play a bunch of guitar take care of yourselves take care of one another remember to tune in tomorrow and of course i'll see you then